Section 2. That we are utopians is well known. So utopian are we that we go the length of believing that the revolution can and ought to assure shelter, food, and clothes to all. An idea extremely displeasing to middle-class citizens, whatever their party color. For they are quite alive to the fact that it is not easy to keep the upper hand of a people whose hunger is satisfied. All the same, we maintain our contention. Bread must be found for the people of the revolution, and the question of bread must take precedence over all other questions. If it is settled in the interests of the people, the revolution will be on the right road, for in solving the question of bread we must accept the principle of equality, which will force itself upon us to the exclusion of every other solution. It is certain that the coming revolution, like in that respect to the revolution of 1848, will burst upon us in the middle of a great industrial crisis. Things have been seething for half a century now, and can only go from bad to worse. Everything tends that way. New nations entering the lists of international trade and fighting for possession of the world's markets. Wars, taxes ever increasing. National debts, the insecurity of the morrow, and huge colonial undertakings in every corner of the globe. There are millions of unemployed workers in Europe at this moment. It will be still worse when revolution has burst upon us and spread like fire laid to a train of gunpowder. The number of the out-of-works will be doubled as soon as barricades are erected in Europe and the United States. What is to be done to provide these multitudes with bread? We do not know whether the folk who call themselves practical people have ever asked themselves this question in all its nakedness. But we do know that they wish to maintain the wage system, and we must therefore expect to have national workshops and public works vaunted as a means of giving food to the unemployed. Because national workshops were opened in 1789 and 1793, because the same means were resorted to in 1848, because Napoleon III succeeded in contenting the Parisian proletariat for 18 years by giving them public works, which cost Paris today its debt of 80 million pounds and its municipal tax of three or four pounds a head, because this excellent method of taming the beast was customary in Rome and even in Egypt 4,000 years ago, and lastly, because despots, kings, and emperors have always employed the ruse of throwing a scrap of food to the people to gain time to snatch up the whip, it is natural that practical men should extol this method of perpetuating the wage system. What need to rack our brains when we have the time-honored method of the pharaohs at our disposal? Footnote. The municipal debt of Paris amounted in 1904 to 2,266,579,100 francs, and the charges for it were 121 million francs. Yet should the revolution be so misguided as to start on this path, it would be lost. In 1848, when the national workshops were opened, on the 27th of February, the unemployed of Paris numbered only 8,000. A fortnight later, they had already increased to 49,000. They would soon have been 100,000, without counting those who crowded in from the provinces. Yet at, the, yet, at that, yet at that time, trade and manufacturers in France employed half as many hands as today. And we know that in time of revolution, exchange and industry suffer most from the general upheaval. We have only to think, indeed, of the number of workmen whose labor depends directly or indirectly upon export trade, 
or of the number of hands employed in producing luxuries, whose consumers are the middle-class minority. A revolution in Europe means, then, the unavoidable stoppage of at least half the factories and workshops. It means millions of workers and their families thrown on the streets. And our practical men would seek to avert this truly terrible situation by means of national relief works. That is to say, by means of new industries created on the spot to give work to the unemployed. It is evident, as Proudhon had already pointed out more than 50 years ago, that the smallest attack upon property will bring in its train the complete disorganization of the system based upon private enterprise and wage labor. Society itself will be forced to take production in hand, in its entirety, and to reorganize it to meet the needs of the whole people. But this cannot be accomplished in a day, or even in a month. It must take a certain time to reorganize the system of production, and during this time millions of men will be deprived of the means of subsistence. What then is to be done? There is only one really practical solution of the problem, boldly to face the great task which awaits us. And instead of trying to patch up a situation where we ourselves have made untenable, to proceed to reorganize production on a new basis. Thus, the really practical course of action, in our view, would be that the people should take immediate possession of all the food of the insurgent communes, keeping strict account of it all, that none might be wasted, and that by the aid of these accumulated resources, everyone might be able to tide over the crisis. During that time, an agreement would have to be made with the factory workers, the necessary raw material given them, and the means of subsistence assured to them, while they worked to supply the needs of the agricultural population. For we must not forget that while France weaves silks and satins to deck the wives of German financiers, the Empress of Russia and the Queen of Sandwich Islands, and while Paris fashions wonderful trinkets and playthings for rich folk all the world over, two-thirds of the French peasantry have not proper lamps to give them light, or the implements necessary for modern agriculture. Lastly, unproductive land, of which there is plenty, would have to be turned to the best advantage, Poor soils and rich, and rich soils, which yet, under the present system, do not yield a quarter, no, nor a tenth of what they might produce, would be submitted to intensive culture, and tilled with as much care as a market garden or a flower plot. It is impossible to imagine any other practical solution of the problem, and whether we like it or not, sheer force of circumstances will bring it to pass.